Hey everyone, I'm Preston Lee. And I'm Clay Mosley. And this is Freelance to Founder. Every week, we sit down with freelancers like you for actionable coaching calls with one mission. To help you ditch the feast-famine lifestyle and build your own sustainable business. At one point, we were both brand new freelancers, barely making ends meet. But by now, we've started, grown, and even sold a few businesses of our own. And we want to help you do the same. If you're ready to go from freelance to founder, then join the army of freelancers who are taking matters into their own hands. Visit freelancetofounder.com to apply for your own on-air coaching call. And now, get ready to take some notes because an all-new episode of Freelance to Founder starts right now. On today's episode, Clay and I are joined by the editor-in-chief of Entrepreneur Magazine, Jason Pfeiffer, to talk about how to get press for your freelance business. Whether you want to get more visibility for your brand or attract new clients using earned media, this conversation with Jason will give you actionable, real-world advice on getting featured by journalists and influencers. We also kick off the conversation chatting about the current state of freelancing and the future of freelancing in a post-pandemic world. The fun starts right after this quick message from our sponsors. Whether you want to travel more or communicate better with international clients, you need to try Babbel. I've used Babbel's courses and you can do the same in order to learn real life conversation skills in a different language, order food, ask for directions, or speak to clients without having to use translation apps. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription. This is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash freelance. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash freelance, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash freelance. Rules and restrictions apply. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Freelance to Founder. Uh, I'm really excited for today's episode. I'm joined, of course, by my friend Clay Mosley from GetDripify.com. Hey, Clay, welcome. I'm always happy to be here. Yeah, man. And excited today, especially because uh, we got a special guest, uh, Jason Pfeiffer, uh, who's the editor-in-chief of Entrepreneur Magazine. So welcome, Jason. Thanks so much for being here, man. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, we're excited to have you. Uh, let's let's kick off the show. Just you can tell maybe people a little bit about who you are, and uh, if if the if the tagline, you know, editor in chief of Entrepreneur Magazine, isn't enough for people to stick around, which to me would be crazy. Uh, but if that's not <laughs> enough, maybe tell us more about who you are and and why people should stick around for the next thirty or forty minutes while we chat. Oh, sure, sounds good. Wow, I feel like I ha- I have to really make it a break. Yeah, that's right. right. It has to be good. Yeah, sticking around. Okay, this, this is your moment. Well, a a brief bit about me. I started in community news. I very much believe, and we get into this, that freelancing helped advance my career far more than just working the regular job would. I I have always done two things at once. I've always Mm. worked a regular job and freelanced. There have been a couple of times where I've quit jobs just to freelance, but then went back into it. And that's because of a philosophy I have called work your next job, which we can get into later. Maybe that's the hook for people to have to stay. And otherwise, what I do now is I run this magazine and brand. I make podcasts, I speak, and I am absolutely obsessed with understanding how change happens, how people find opportunity in change, why people are afraid of change. I I do a lot of research into history, the history of innovation, and how big moments of change have come. People have not recognized the value in them. And then the winners were the ones that were the most adaptable. It's just a subject I find I absolutely that. fascinating because it's the thing that's most mm. relevant to us right now. 
Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, 100%. In fact, I should have mentioned, uh, Jason is also the host of the Build for Tomorrow podcast, as well as a couple other podcasts from what I saw. And so definitely, uh, we'll put a link to that in our show notes. You can head over there and take a listen to that podcast as well. Um, but, uh, you know, I this is, I don't mean to catch you off guard here, Jason, but I, you know, we we're, later in the episode, we're going to talk about um, using press and media to build your freelance career and your freelance mm-hmm. business. But, but I do, I have to ask you because, you know, you said you're, you're looking at innovation and change, you know, the freelancing industry right now is just, it's, it's just, it's, it's changing like faster than it ever has. And it's a, it's a quick changing industry, Yeah. but with, with COVID and, and remote work and people losing their jobs or quitting and choosing to work freelance, I guess like, you know, if you had, if you had a thought of what you think the next two, three, five years looks like for freelancers or the freelance industry, is there anything you've you've dug up or seen or that you might predict unofficially that that you think freelancers ought to know about for the next few years in in this particular industry? No, that's a really interesting question. I am very hesitant to ever make predictions because yeah, of course. the thing that I've learned the most from studying the history of innovation is that people are extremely terrible at telling you what's going to happen next. <laughs> uh, and, um, and, and a big part of that, and maybe this somewhat goes to your question is that people, I I have a whole bunch of theories about why people are so bad at predicting what's going to happen in the future. But a big one of them is that people see loss a lot faster than they see gain. Mm. And so when something comes along that introduces something new, that replaces something that feels like some kind of change, the first thing that you can see is how it is going to possibly remove something that you're comfortable with or replace it with something you're uncomfortable with. And that is very scary to people. And then people extrapolate out the loss and assume that because this thing has changed, that thing will change and that thing will change instead of what they really should be doing, which is trying to identify the gain and then get there as fast as possible. Because every change does come with gain. And I think that the winners are often the ones who are at least open to that or able to identify it as best they can. So what's going to happen in the freelance industry? I mean, look, I I would imagine, and you guys can tell me better than I can say, that it's in a way more hyper-specific than that, right? That not every freelancer is dealing with the same exact kinds of changes and opportunities, Mm. but that by and large, what I'm seeing is, uh, is, is a world that really rewards nimbleness and rewards people who are looking one or two steps ahead of the changing needs of their clients and their customers. And that the people who are most able to quickly adapt to that are the ones that are going to succeed the most. And the people who feel most entrenched in the kinds of offerings that they've made before, or the kinds of client relationships that they've had before, they're going to they're gonna see their work dwindle. And that I don't that doesn't mean that like you should despair. I think that these are awesome opportunities here. And I mean, look, if, if I can if I can go on like a weird historical tangent for a second, just to tell you like, yeah, a, sure, of course. A fun story. Okay. <laughs> so um okay. Rewind back early 1900s introduction of the phonograph, which is uh, early record player. And this is consider it a re- mind-bending revolution. This when when recorded music technology was introduced, it was the first time in the history of humanity that you could hear music 
without a human being playing an instrument in front of you. Right? That that is shocking. It's shocking to think about. (laughs) Yeah, isn't it? It's crazy. Like this wasn't just like, oh, what a cool thing, right? It's like when Spotify gets introduced and we were all playing with Pandora and we're like, oh, that's kind of better, right? Like, no, 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 this is like revolutionary. (laughs) So, So this thing comes along and musicians hate this, right? hate this. And you you could say a lot of these freelancers, or I mean, a lot of these musicians were, were freelancers. They they would bounce from job to job. They had regular clients. And, uh, and they despised this technology because the way they saw it, it was going to replace them all. It was going to make their jobs and, and in fact, even their skill sets completely irrelevant. Because why, if you had a machine that could play music, would you ever want to hear a musician play an instrument live? That was the thinking. And so John Philip Sousa really led the charge here. He was a very, very famous composer of the time. Mm-hmm. You are familiar with his work. Every march you've ever heard, da 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 da, da <laughs> right? John Philip Sousa. And so he's, he railed against recorded music. And my favorite argument of his, just to zoom in real quick, and then, then I'll, I'll explain why the hell I've gone on this tangent, was that he argued, if you bring recorded music technology into your home, well, then all forms of live music in your home will cease. There's no reason for anybody to perform anything live. And this means that mothers will no longer sing to their children. Because why would they do that when there's a record player that could do it for them? And because children grow up to imitate their mothers, the children will grow up to imitate the machine instead. And therefore, we will raise a generation of machine babies. And this <laughs> was this was his genuine argument, right? All a robots. genuine fear. Yeah. And um, and of course, we laugh at this now. This is completely ridiculous. But you can see where he was going with it. He was extrapolating loss. He thought that when something comes along, it wholesale replaces whatever came before it. And then we have to extrapolate out that loss and see all the other ways in which it can create impact. But that's not what happens. What happens is that there is gain. And that gain, in in fact, creates more opportunities than you could possibly ever have imagined. I mean, the people, you, you and I are right now, we're talking through a platform called Zencaster. And Zencaster is in many ways the product of this original innovation. The idea that you could record things and play them back later and that could be valuable created not just new opportunities for musicians, but all sorts of new opportunities for people to become studio engineers, freelance studio engineers. Whatever the case is, there's a million new jobs in an ever-changing industry thanks to this innovation that John Philip Sousa only saw as loss. So to your question of what is going to come in the future, I don't have any damn idea because that's not the way that we can think. But what I can tell you is that whatever you see that's coming that you experience as a loss, I encourage you to see it as a potential gain instead. Mm, I love that. In fact, we've, we've seen, you know, in our community, the freelancers who have have thrived through the pandemic are the ones that are saying, okay, what, you know, what's changing in my client's business that, uh, yes, this service that I used to offer may not be relevant anymore. I may not be able to do event planning right now, right? That may mm-hmm. not be a thing, mm-hmm. but, um, but what, you know, surely to, to salvage their revenue, the, the client is doing something else besides these live in-person events. So how can I add value to whatever they're doing? Like you said, that's the gain. What, what, what is replacing in a positive way, the the loss. Uh, That's right. 
And yeah. consider that your client, if your client no longer has the ability to create whatever it is that you were working with them for, you better believe they're looking for other solutions. Mm-hmm. These yeah. are people in need right now. So if you have solutions for them, then yeah. you've, you've got a yeah. you've got a gig. And some of these clients they they need they need help for, uh, from someone else to point these things out, right? Yeah, yeah. that's right. They, they don't even know how to solve the problem or what they're yep. looking for. They don't know what they don't know. That's mm-hmm. that's right. They may have yeah. absolutely no idea where to go. And and here you come along and you've got fresh ideas and fresh opportunities and you know you're in. I mean these are this is really a moment. This has been a moment since March 2020 for people to step up with solutions. I, you know never before in our lifetimes has there been more desperation for solutions. That's so right. be a person with solutions. Yeah. I love that. Uh I mean, you've you've nailed it on the head, and and like I said, we've we've seen this in action already. The the people who are who are being problem solvers, and you know what? The the ultimate example of what you're saying is is the very job market, right? All this job loss you could see as millions of people losing their jobs. What we've seen is what it means is millions of people turning to freelancing or turning to entrepreneurship or turning to alternative mm-hmm. job opportunities instead of just saying like, because we're a resilient species, right? We don't. We might throw our arms up in the air and or or be depressed for a couple of weeks if we get laid off, but in, in the end, we we go back at it and we figure out how to solve the problem. And a lot of people are turning to freelancing or entrepreneurship as a way to solve the job loss problem, and it's just leading to all sorts of innovation and growth in the freelance industry and and millions of other industries as well. That's right. And, you know, I mean, there's mm-hmm. a reason why there's there we are currently at a 10 year high in new business applications. Mm-hmm. And you know, so, so, some of those are going to be, so, I mean, whatever. There's going to be a large, very, uh, large variance of what those things are. But a lot of them, I'm sure, are just people uh, who are going to start up. Either um, they just open an LLC for themselves to be a freelancer or, or whatever the case is. And these are people who are realizing that there is an opportunity now to build something for yep. themselves and to control their yeah. own destiny. And yep. that there are endless opportunities out there to do it. You know you know what this reminds me of? It reminds me of uh, uh, <laughs> like prisoners inside of a prison. Uh, hmm. I, I think like, I don't know if you guys have ever watched um, like documentaries of, of this. Uh, like prisoners, I swear, I swear they're the most creative people <laughs> out there yeah, yeah. because they are forced <clears throat> to be creative. Like the things that they come up with to survive inside prison is like, it's it's just it. I would never think of the things if I was not inside of a prison. And so <laughs> I, I I it's kind of funny to think about, it, but that's kind of the way I I feel like, uh, especially with, with since March 2020 with COVID, it's like these people are now being forced to think of how to do things in a more creative way or how to do things differently. And so that it, it, it's so funny because that's just kind of how I think. It's very similar to that. Not saying that we live in a prison, but I guess some people would argue that we are now. But yeah, but yeah. well, I mean, I think that what you're speaking to there is the power of restrictions, uh, right? The, yeah. the less mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. less you have, the more creative you're forced to be, and this can lead to fantastic things. In fact, when you have the opposite problem, when you have an abundance of resources available, sometimes you get less creative because you don't need to. I, this this came up. I mean, this is I realize a little bit different, but I I just had Ryan Reynolds on the cover of Entrepreneur, and I spoke to him for the magazine, 
And he he really went into this for a while. I mean, he's I I, I just as you were talking, I was like, oh, the Ryan Reynolds um, the point he made. So I just grabbed the magazine. So I'm just going to like do some of what he said. Um, so he said, you've got to give yourself some guardrails, and we love guardrails. Problems are a friend. Problems are our best friends because they really inspire ideas and ways to create. Even if it's just our budget has to be X, we can still get the job done and we have to think outside the box in order to deliver something that is of great quality. I mean, showbiz will teach you that. If you keep throwing money at a problem, the problem is only only going to be exacerbated. I love that. Spot on. Yeah. Well, I I mean, this has been super enlightening for me. Um, and, And man, it just gets the wheels turning about like, future of freelancing and just the future of work, which I'm sure we could go on and on for hours about uh, with you, Jason, particularly. But let's let's take a quick break here. When we, when we get back from the break, we're going to talk with Jason about using the press and the media, something he knows a ton about, uh, to grow your freelance business or your agency or whatever stage you're at. We're going to talk about growing your business using press and media, which I think is kind of an undervalued resource for a lot of freelancers. You know, uh, you you hear and read a ton about using social media, about using, you know, job sites and things like that. But I, I haven't, I've been in the space a long time and I haven't heard a ton about using the media and press PR to get more freelance business. So uh, we're going to take a quick break for, for a message from our sponsors. Uh, when we get back, we will talk with Jason about uh, using the press to grow your business. Be right back. Have you ever noticed that many of the problems people call in with on this show can be solved by hiring someone? Sometimes you need a full-fledged team, other times maybe just a simple assistant, or an expert in something you're not great at. Whatever your reason for hiring, we recommend you take a look at LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. As you may know already, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. And LinkedIn Jobs makes the process of finding the perfect teammate easy and intuitive. Hiring is always easy when you have access to so many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours when using LinkedIn Jobs. I've used it myself, and it was so simple. In fact, I've made multiple hires using LinkedIn Jobs. And did I mention, by the way, it's free to business owners like me and you. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash freelance. That's linkedin.com slash freelance to post your job for free or click the link in our show description. Terms and conditions apply. You know, working from home is mostly great, but there are some days when I realize I haven't left my house or even my chair like all day. Have you been there? Getting outside to exercise or making a trip to the gym are just harder now that my office is just a flight of stairs away. If you're stuck in the same rut as me, then you should try Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W. With the Hydro rower and 20 minutes a day, getting a full body workout is so much easier. Hydro can work up to 86% of your muscles in just 20 minutes for an insane effective home workout. That's because Hydro pairs the effectiveness of rowing with the power of technology to connect you with over 5,000 video trainings, classes, and workouts. And get ready to get out from behind your home desk because after a few months of daily rowing with Hydro, your partner's going to want to take you out for a night on the town to show you off. This spring, join the growing rowing community at Hydro. Head over to Hydro.com and use code FREELANCE to save up to $400 off your Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W.com and promo code FREELANCE to save $400. Hydro.com, promo code FREELANCE, or just click the link in our show description. 
All right, welcome back uh, to Freelance to Founder. You're listening to the Freelance to Founder podcast. I'm here, obviously, with my co-host, Clay Mosley from GetDripify.com. And we're joined today by Jason Pfeiffer, who is uh, the editor-in-chief of Entrepreneur Magazine and also the host of the Build for Tomorrow podcast. We had a great conversation the first half of the episode here about the future of freelancing and, and how to uh, you know pivot and change and adjust to change, how to focus on the gains instead of the losses, and really appreciate that conversation, Jason. I'd like to pivot now and talk a little bit about what we what we originally planned to talk about sure. on this show, which is uh, <laughs> using the media to grow your freelance business. Where do you want to start with this conversation? What makes sense? For me? Well, I think the way that... I think the thing that people need to understand the most if they're going to reach out to media is that they need to understand who they're reaching out to. Because people tend to misunderstand this. And I understand that because the media can be mysterious. It's not really clear why decisions are made the way that they are or what exactly is happening here. And I see that every day, every, frankly, minute of every day, because my inbox is full of people who are trying to get my attention for one thing or another. And so many of them treat me like I am a service provider, right? Which is to say that they reach out and they say, how can I get a feature in Entrepreneur Magazine. Hmm. And as if it's just something that you hand out for the right price or that's exactly or right. Mm, that's yeah, exactly okay. right. Right. As if it's a hamburger, right? As yeah. if I have a hamburger <laughs> stand <laughs> and it and the feature is a hamburger. Right. And yeah. that's and that's not I don't sell hamburgers. Uh, I'm not a service provider for you. There are service providers out there. There are there are publicists who you could hire to do this. Um, I mean, hell, you could also be a freelance publicist. But if you are going to reach out to media, you really need to understand what that person is looking for because their job is not to help you. Mm. They're, they're, the outcome of their job may be of help to you, but their job is not to help you. And so you have to know who you're talking to. Yeah, I love so that. How, so how would you... Uh, what, what kind of... How would you... Like someone who's brand new to trying to uh, get featured in media, how would one go about figuring that out? And let's just, Jason, uh, while you're thinking about your answer to that question, because I think it's a great one, is how mm-hmm. how would uh, you know a, a newbie or a beginner even go about getting started? Let's let's just really quick give some context to the conversation, and that is, if you're freelancing or if you're running a business, uh, the press, the media can be a great way to get your name out there. And and there's lots of ways to do this, which we're going to talk about here. But but the real value is like, uh, in a lot of ways, you know, this is some people call this earned media, where you don't necessarily pay for impressions, although sometimes you can. But um, you 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 network with people. You create really interesting stories. You add value to people like Jason and other uh, you know editors and and people running media companies, uh, so that they can share interesting stories with their readers. And if you happen to be a part of that, even better because then you know your your business gets exposure. So so I guess the context is like you media or press as we talk about it today is just going to be yet another marketing channel to get your name or your brand or your business out in front of even more people and hopefully you, you know you bring in new clients or new business through that so yeah Jason let's let's answer Clay's question what's what's a good way for a, a newbie to to get started in I guess PR public relations and, and press and media for for their business yeah so I, that was really good context, and I, I just want to expand upon one thing, which is Please do. Please you, you'd do. mentioned you'd mentioned paid, uh, right? And if you can, if you can, if you could pay for something, then everything else that we're talking about 
is pointless. Is why would you mm. go through all this work if you could pay for it? So I just I want to be really clear that whenever if you're looking through um, the website or a, a print magazine of a what we would call a, a traditional media property, a entrepreneur or Forbes, Fortune, Business Week. Wh- Fast Company Inc., whatever, all these things. You know, I, I think of these as traditional media properties. They employ professional career journalists. You you just you can't pay for anything there. You can pay for an ad, but you can't pay for editorial. Mm, it's yeah. it, it's just not there. Mm-hmm. Now, and I guess, and I, guess I, I bring that up only because, and I've I've worked in you know I worked at a magazine for a while, uh, mostly the online stuff, and I, and I guess I just bring that up because the lines are definitely getting blurry between you know there's tons of paid you know paid editorial or advertorial or Things like that. They've been getting the lines have been getting blurry for a long time. Right. Um, but but again, like you said, Jason, it's not the same thing. But it's certainly in on some publications, uh, usually maybe less respected ones. Uh, yeah. It, it it can look quite similar. Right. Right. It can. It can. And and on on less respected publications, they are they're absolutely they're they're selling it. And on more respected publications, they there are sometimes native programs that. Mm that can look a little like edit, they, they should be distinguished and they should really only be available to, to major brands, right? So that like any random person right. can't just come along and buy a, a, an article about themselves. But I, I, I want to make that distinction because there are so many people, I get, I get DMs like every single day from somebody who's like, are you selling edit? Because I got this, I got this person who just reached out and said that for eight, you know, for, for $1,500, they can get an article on entrepreneur.com. And that is, um, that is a unscrupulous actor, right? Like that—that mm. that is somebody mm-hmm. who is either trying to scam you outright, or they're trying to scam us somehow. And I and and of course, if people, the more people believe that that's how it operates, the less there's any reason for me to show up at work every day. Yeah. Because yeah. I, the, why on earth would you trust anything that I produce if you think that it's all paid for? So anyway, I just wanted to make that clear. Yeah. But thanks for clarifying um, that. I think that's perfect. Yeah, yeah. that's good. So. Um, so how, how do you, how do you go about it? Well, okay, look, I mean, again, if you hire a publicist, some of these steps are skipped, although you have to hire a really good publicist because most publicists are bad at their jobs. Uh, Most (laughs) publicists are, most most publicists just, just send out email blasts (laughs) and that's not useful for anything. I I mean, I'll tell you, I get email blasts every day and I hit delete every single time. So you really need to find somebody if you're going to hire a publicist who is relationship driven and who understands exactly how to frame your story in a way that a publication will find interesting. But let's say you're doing it by yourself, which is fine, you can. Then what you what you need to do is you need to, I, I, would, I would encourage you to do this. The first thing you have to do is you have to ask yourself an important question, which is, why do I need press? And you should have, you should have like a really specific answer to that in the same way that if you were running a startup and you were going out to raise money from an investor, you need to know why you're raising money, right? You wouldn't. You bad bad answers for why are you raising money is because it feels good, or because I deserve it, or because <laughs> I've I've reached this stage in my journey, right? Um, but uh, but people say that kind of stuff about about press all the time. I get you know I get these emails, and people people are just they were just weirdly upfront, right? Or where it's just like I you know I I feel like I've reached the point in my journey where I'm I'm ready to tell my story. I, I want people to know my story. That's not a good reason to spend time <laughs> right. trying to get press. That doesn't get <laughs> you anything, right? We're all busy people. You should be working on ROI here. Like like your time is an investment. So have a good answer. And let's just say here's here's a good answer for a uh, um, for a for a for a freelancer. I suppose is I am either looking to drive new business, trying to find new clients. 
or I'm looking to establish myself as an authority in, in, in my space so that I can, you know, ultimately get more clients. Mm-hmm. And so, okay, so great. Now you know that. Now what publications are going to be the ones that will get you that? Because not every publication will right. have the same kind of value for you. If what you want to do is drive drive business and you're reaching a publication that doesn't reach the audience that would convert into business for you, well, then you just wasted your time. It's not There's no point to it. So let's say for argument's sake that you've gone through this thought process and where you've landed is that Entrepreneur Magazine is the place for you. Okay, or entrepreneur.com. So you should now take a good look at what is being published and try to understand what is happening. What are you seeing? Because you're seeing something specific. You are. It might look like chaos, but it's not. It's actually a pattern. In the same way that if you turned on the television, you saw like an ad for Ford, uh, you could make some pretty quick assumptions about what was happening behind the scenes in that ad. Okay, well, that... I see these kinds of people and that kind of music and that kind of setting. And that tells me like who Ford's marketing team is trying to reach today, right? You can, you can do that for media too. If you read a bunch of articles and you think critically about why was this produced the way it was? What is this trying to accomplish? What would the person who wrote or edited this this have been intending here? You start to develop some patterns. I'll give you the patterns for entrepreneur in the print magazine, what you're primarily seeing are problem-solving stories. You're seeing a story, it doesn't matter. People always ask me, what, what, what are the qualifications for being covered? As if there's some like checklist. Oh, well, you have to have <laughs> this much revenue and this way. It doesn't work like that. That, would be, that wouldn't make any sense. That mm. wouldn't have any value to the reader. So we are, we are a magazine about thinking and about problem-solving. And everything in that magazine is in some way or another about trying to understand how somebody thought through a problem such that it's relatable to tons of other people in different industries. That's the magazine. Um, and, uh, and then online, we're doing a number of different things, but primarily what you're seeing online is a contributor network, which is a, um, a wide ranging network of, of entrepreneurs who applied and were accepted to write for us. And now they are, they're not getting coverage. They are writing and therefore positioning themselves as authorities in their field. And so that is a place where let's say that you're a freelance marketer that, you, you know, you might want to start writing stories about marketing for different websites. That's a great option because not everyone is going to cover you, right? I mean, it's, it's hard to be newsworthy. And so you might not get somebody who's going to write about you, but you might be able to write for them. Mm-hmm. Another option is that you might not be the story, but you can be part of the story. So for example, let's say that you're a freelance marketer and if you reached out to Entrepreneur Magazine and you were like, write about me, I'm a freelance marketer and I'm really, really smart at marketing. Like that's not a story. But what about that you noticed something really interesting happening in the world of marketing? Something that's new and different and worth exploring and meaty and and has characters and just the whole thing. It's just, it's just fun and interesting. And, and you feel like entrepreneur would really like to tell that story. Well, you, if you bring that story to us, if you tell us that that's happening and you have some kind of involvement in it in some way, well then, you know, there's a, there's a better likelihood that a reporter or editor would say, oh, you know, this does sound like a good story for the magazine. And uh, this is the person in front of me. I guess I should start by talking to this person and we'll learn a little bit more. 
uh, right? I, I, we've run those kinds of stories all the time where instead of coming and pitching themselves, they pitch something that they're seeing because, you know, you ultimately, and I, and I know I've like, I've like thrown 14 things at you right now, but I'll, I'll sort of end on this one. This is um, all good. Um, you, you, I, I address you, the listener right now, you are far more of an expert in your field than the journalist you're reaching out to. Right, you're just infinitely more knowledgeable about the subject because the way that journalists are trained and the way that they think is that their knowledge is is like a mile wide and an inch deep. They just don't know that much about everything, and so you know more than they do, and so you're seeing things that they're not seeing. And if you can kind of pick up the sensibility of what it is that they share with their audience, and then you can bring that to the journalist and say, "Look, this is a really interesting thing that's happening." I'd be happy to explain more of it. You know, if it if it if it doesn't look like you're just pitching yourself and you're not newsworthy, mm-hmm. it looks like you're in, in fact delivering something of great value. You, you you'll be in that story. You just will, and then you can you know you can tout that you were covered in whatever, and you can use it to your advantage, and maybe it'll drive all the benefits that you were looking for. Uh, you know, you mentioned you've you've thrown out a bunch of ideas, which you have, and it's been fantastic. Uh, no complaints from me at all. I I think though to wrap up all of it in a in a bow, you come back to what you said uh, at the very beginning, which is <clears throat> it's not about you, right? It's yeah. not about you, the the freelancer. It's about the publication that you're reaching out to. And when mm. we say publication, yes, obviously we're talking a print magazine because you know that's that's. Where Jason focuses his time, but this is this is if you want to be a guest on a podcast. This is if you want to be a guest blogger on someone's blog. This is if you want to be featured in someone's Instagram account. This is like there's a there's a million different places where you can get kind of this earned media placement, but you have to focus on uh, what value you're bringing to the the media company yeah. or the the publisher or whatever whatever situation you're the blogger, the YouTuber, the Instagrammer. They don't actually care about you if you're a stranger, right? They don't. Yeah, they they don't. care about how can this help move our goals forward? And if if it helps you at the same time, then that's the perfect scenario. A win-win, I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine kind of scenario, right? Yeah. I, I mean, you, I think you said it really nicely there. Look, you can't ask for an opportunity. You have to be the opportunity. Mm, I love and that. It's an important distinction. And I realize that it's often lost on people as they are seeking something for themselves and, and they're they're blinded enough by it that they lead with what they want. But you can't lead with what you want because yeah. that's not relevant. So when you reach out, the, the value that you have to offer is that you have something that is worth the audience knowing about because it's going to be valuable to that audience, not because it's going to be valuable to you, right? I mean, the, the number of people, uh, you know, if you, if you, I would love a story, an entrepreneur, because it would really help people. It would really help my company uh, grow. I don't care about that. I mean, you know, like I, I do in that I'm <laughs> like, I support entrepreneurs and all that, but right. But like, but if we're talking about an individual story and the resources that I have to put behind it, my job isn't to grow your company. My job is to serve my audience. Mm-hmm. And so the better that you can help me serve my audience, the more you get what you want. You, you have to think of it that way. 
is an important distinction because earlier we did say like you have to have a, a reason why that you're reaching out and trying to get earned media, uh, you know, and that why a lot of times should come back to the ROI or the revenue of your company. But that's not the answer you give them. <laughs> that's right. It's like your that's your side of the table. Mm-hmm. Why am I making the effort? And then you switch gears and you say, okay, now that I've decided that this is my reason for making the effort to reach out to people, now how can I add value to their life, to their publications, to their whatever, to their outlet? Um, you have, but yeah, you can't use that as as your reasoning as you as you start to pitch. I love that. Yeah, I think that's this right. is a yeah. I think this is spot on because I think this is the toughest thing for business owners to get their mentality uh, in this way uh, because I think by default that they auto- they automatically think what's in it for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. super tough. They do, I, and, and I get it. I understand that what's in it for you. That, of course, what's in it for you. That, Especially why now. Else are you, yeah. Why else are you doing it? I, I, that that makes total sense to me. But but you have to understand that everyone else thinks exactly the same way. Yes. So you you increase your odds exponentially if you flip the equation and if you arrive mm. with value. If you basically do someone else's work for them instead of coming along and like asking somebody to work for you, because that's that's just not what the deal is. Yeah. Can that's we? What, oh. Sorry. Uh, I, I was just curious, Jason. I, I, I just want to put this like into quantifiable numbers just so people have, a, have an idea of how many bad pitches there are. How, <laughs> in your inbox, how many bad ones are there versus a good one? If you can <laughs> oh ballpark God. that for me. <laughs> I mean, I literally do. I was, I was scanning through it as we were talking to see if I could like, find something that's worth reading aloud as we, as we were chatting here. I literally have a folder in my e- email system, whatever, I don't know the language. Anyway, it's called bad PR pitches. I just, every time when I get one, I just, <laughs> nice. I just toss it in there. When are you um, publish your book? That's what I want to know. I know. Right. Well, you know, I do, I do, if somebody wants, um, <laughs> if somebody wants to see some of this stuff, I actually do share it. I share it on Instagram every Monday. Oh, very nice. I, I call it, nice. I call it Inbox Monday. So on my inbox or my Instagram is at Hey Pfeiffer, H-E-Y-F-E-I-F-E-R. And uh, it, so the, I mean, there's there are three there are what I would call I guess three categories here. Right? Um, there there's there's good pitches. Well, there's like good pitches. I guess there are four. I'm like expanding all the categories. There's good pitches that actually hit, and those are those are so few and far between. I mean, those are I get one of those uh, every two weeks. I don't know. It's not often. Um, then there are perfectly good pitches that just don't hit. Right? Like it was a good pitch, but it's not right for one reason or another. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are dull pitches, pitches that just, they're lazy, they're not informed. That's the majority of pitches. And then there are excruciatingly bad pitches that go into my bad PR pitches um, folder. And, you know, those, those I don't get those every day either, right? Like most people aren't like insane, right? The, 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 uh, the, the, the most recent one that I threw into my, into my uh, bad uh, PR pitches folder was, a, it, it started, the pitch that came was like, eh, it was fine. I, I, I wasn't very good. It, uh, it came from a publicist, but what was what was like really weird about it was that it 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 sort of it, it it took a tone of a infomercial. So there were a bunch of bullet after she introduced herself, uh, and then she just gave me all these bullet points that were about the client that she was pitching, but they were all in the language of. What would you say about a company who exploded? <laughs> well, by, that right? sounds then, amazing. I don't know what you're talking yeah, about, right? <laughs> the, the next, the next, yeah, the next bullet point is like, um, 
let's oh, wait, there's more. But, yeah, but wait, wait, wait. <laughs> what if I told you this is actually I'm reading straight from it. What if I told you that the co-founder left a cushy job at the blah blah blah? You know, <laughs> would it be literally next bullet point? Would it be icing on the cake if I noted that? <laughs> wow, so, you should so this, publish that today. <laughs> I know. So this is quite this is quite bad. Um, and so I I I, wrote, I don't know why I replied. I mean, I honestly I delete most pitches that are just not really good. But I I responded to this one and I just said what I always say, which is like, congrats to the client on their success, but I, I don't see a story here. And um, and most people either don't respond or they just thank me for the, for the time. But, uh, but this person wrote, and here it is, ready? Full thing. Well, it seems it's time for me to turn in my publicist badge. Either that or you guys are focusing on affiliate companies, question mark. And, uh, and then, <laughs> wow. and I know. And then, and then space sent by Gmail mobile. So like she like dashed that off, uh, and in so anger. in anger, right? Yeah. And it's like, wow, that was that was aggressive. Either that, or you guys are focusing on affiliate companies, which is basically like my pitch was so good that the only reason that this could have been rejected is because you guys only write about people who pay you, right? Like that. That is so offensive. She so has blown any shot of ever having any kind of relationship with you. That's yeah. exactly right. And that's yeah. the big mm. takeaway. That's the big yeah. takeaway for that one because a no doesn't have to be a no forever unless you that's make so it good. unless mm-hmm. you make it that way. And yeah. you can. You can turn a no into a no forever as as this person just did. But otherwise, you know, a no can just be the start of a conversation. Yeah. Because again, bringing mm. it full circle, you're not saying no to the person. You're saying no to the story. It's it's all about yeah. the value that they either yeah. are bringing or aren't bringing to what you're trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. exactly right, and 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 it's like it's fine. I get it. I get that you don't like nail it the first time. Nobody nails it the first time. But see, I mean, she nailed something else the first time, and that's, that's the end of that. <laughs> well, one. yeah, and like what an opportunity! You actually responded to her, and and what an opportunity to start a conversation. And say like, oh, I guess I missed the mark on that one. Maybe you can help me see, you know, whatever. Like follow up and yeah. and mm-hmm. try to build some sort of relationship out of it. But she just, yeah, she completely blew it. So I guess maybe that maybe the big takeaway yeah. is. You either have to send a really great pitch to Jason or a really bad one. Either way, you get a little bit of publicity. I'm just kidding. It goes on his Instagram account, so you still get the publicity either way. <laughs> it's it's yeah. funny you said that is exactly I'm hearing that a lot now. I have a lot of publicists who are like, please don't put me on blast on Instagram. Uh, <laughs> That's one of the chances you take. <laughs> exactly, exactly, right? Like, yeah. look, this is yeah. uh, we're not we're not playing low stakes games here. So that's come, right. come big. <laughs> that's funny. Well, good. I think we maybe have you know five or seven minutes here on our call left, Jason. What if, what have we left out for freelancers who want to really drive some business? Let's like let's get down to the brass tacks here. You know, people who want to get new clients from the press and from media. They don't just want to, you know, build some authority or look good in a story or say, I've been featured on XYZ. Like people who want to actually get clients through press and media, and maybe Clay, you have thoughts on it as well. What what advice would we give those mm-hmm. listeners? Well, I mean, Clay, jump in at any time here. I, I would say that press, look, when you engage with press, you are not in control and, and right because somebody either somebody else is writing about you and therefore they're going to write whatever they're going to write and you know it's i mean it's probably not going to be something bad but it's it's not going to be as promotional as you would like it to be or you're going to write for a publication but there are going to be limitations so f- for, for example um we don't allow 
our contributors online to write about themselves in any kind of promotional way. You might be able to use an anecdote of something, but you can't like, you can't come, it can't be like five reasons to hire me, right? Like that's not a, that's not a good article. And so uh, because of that, you have a, you you have a limited ability to get exactly what you're looking for from press and so i would think about it slightly different like one don't think about it as the greatest tool in the toolbox because it's not I, I i've met a lot of people who have made the mistake of thinking that because they got a little press coverage they can like radically shift their business or people who have left their full-time job to pursue their side hustle because they got an article about them somewhere because it, it doesn't it doesn't last it, right? I mean, like you could get, it doesn't matter what it is. You could get a gigantic piece in the New York Times and it'll drive sales and engagement for a week and then it's gone, right? Everyone's moved on to reading something else in the New York Times. And so you can't, you can't rest upon that. And therefore, instead, I think what you need to do is think about press as a additional tool, great to have and great for social proof. I think that's what it is primarily. Mm, that's it's good. Great social proof. So, how do you how do you leverage the press that you get in social proof so that it, it goes on your website? You use it prominently. There are a lot of people who will get coverage or will be included in something, or they'll write a story somewhere, and then they'll basically do paid media behind it. Right? They'll just start promoting it on Facebook or LinkedIn or something. This article because it's going to get it's going to get more eyeballs and then they're able to say, hey, look, I got covered in this thing and now you should pay attention to me. And then the more that you think of it that way as a really nice addition, but not a central element, I think the, the better you're going to be because you, you have to focus mostly on the things that you can control. And this is one of those things that you can increase your odds with, but it's never in your full control. Yeah, that's that's really good. I, I'm curious your take on, uh, because a lot of our... our uh, our listeners are like they. A lot of them do business nationally and inter- internationally. But how, what is there? Is it is it a different approach or is it the same approach? Like how would you how what kind of approach would it be if someone is like a local service provider or or uh, does business locally? Like how would that person get media attention or get get featured in media? So I, I'm really glad that you asked that because people often overlook the value of local press. And, and that's not it. Local press and also trade press, B2B press. These are the two things that might actually be your best friends when you're thinking about getting coverage and you may not be thinking about them. And classic example of this, for me at least, was when I went to this conference, I met this guy who owned like a hot dog truck or something in DC. And he followed up with me afterwards and he wanted to figure out how to get coverage for his hot dog truck in Entrepreneur. And frankly, I think that that was... That is... (laughs) ego-driven play right there, right? Like he's like, oh, I'm an entrepreneur and I want to be in the... (laughs) That's not... But if you step back and you ask the questions that I, I suggested asking a little while ago in our conversations, like, what do I want to get out of this? What he... There's only one answer if you're a hot dog truck in DC, which is like sell more hot dogs, right? I mean, eventually he might want to grow and all that, but he's not there yet. So sell more hot dogs. And if you get a story in Entrepreneur, entrepreneur.com or Entrepreneur Magazine, it's going to reach people around the country and around the world. And a very, very, very small percentage of them are in DC looking for a hot dog. And so that doesn't, that's not useful to you. So why not instead spend your energy trying to get local coverage, get into like whatever the Washington DC version of Eater is, or if the Washington Post uh, has a food 
um, section or any of that kind of stuff, that's going to be so much more valuable to you because it's reaching a larger percentage of potential customers for you. If you think about the ROI of why you're doing this, sometimes it really does drive you towards local press. If you are a local business, then you want to reach your local consumers and there's there's, there's, you know, there's almost no better way to do that than to engage in your local community. And so, and and similarly, if you are, if you service um, other businesses in a in a in a particular industry, then maybe being in whatever the trade publication is that everyone's reading is the way to go. So I would really strongly suggest... Oh, and one more thing about both of these, which and I started in local media, so uh, so I can t- I can speak to this personally. People at these publications, at local publications or at trade publications, get such a smaller volume of email than people like me, right? Sending an email to me is fighting the odds. I got in the in the hour that we have spoken here, I'm sure I have like 50 new emails. Um, that's too many. It's too much to go against. But 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 pitch a local reporter. And they, they, nobody pitched them today, they, and they're looking for stories because they have they're working in mm-hmm. a they're working in a underfunded newsroom, and they got to file two or three stories a day. And boy, they'll be very happy to hear from you. So <laughs> right. these are these are really <laughs> assets that you yeah. don't want to overlook. Your effectiveness really compounds. I mean, you think about or or even even uh, going outside of the idea of local, like even just like more niche publications, like yes. you know, I run I run our blog obviously, and we get way way fewer inquiries than you do. Jason, but but maybe in the time we've been talking, I've had three or five or six, I don't know, but like it might be more effective. If you're trying to reach just freelancers, it might actually be more effective to reach out to me than it would to be reach out to Jason and get featured in mm-hmm. Entrepreneur because yes. you yeah, there's such a small contingency of the readership or of the audience that will actually drive the ROI you're looking for mm-hmm. that it's it's not worth your time. And then like you said, you're fighting the odds. So I agree 100 percent That's amazing advice. Excellent yeah. advice. Yeah. Come on, That's- Jason. You know that hot dog's going to taste 10 times better with the entrepreneur. <laughs> Featured feature an entrepreneur, right? right. On the hot dog stand. Right. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing. 90% of the people who, and no offense to you, Jason, 90% of the people who buy a hot dog there aren't going to care about entrepreneur, right? So it's no. like, I don't buy a hot dog because, uh, because of entrepreneur. Yeah, that is, yeah, one yeah, has yeah, nothing yeah. to do with the other. Yeah. No, absolutely. That's, I take no offense at all about that. I thought it was a stupid... I think most people who pitch me are, are doing it incorrectly. I, I mean, like... Well, they do it incorrectly, but that there, there was no point to pitch me in the first place. Or, yeah, for the wrong motivation, like it's for the vanity or for or for like personal, just personal pride or whatever. I mean, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm looking at I'm looking at my inbox right now. I was just like curious about how many things. Are. So I right, I've got all sorts of random stuff here. Somebody pitching a podcast guest, something introducing random company. We create error free mobile apps. Okay, whatever that is. Uh, and uh, but you know, and then the, here, so here's one. Here's a, a a subject line. This rolled in three minutes ago. The subject line is Wedding Planner creates software platform to digitize events industry during the, I guess it says pandemic, but I don't know, it's cut off. And uh, anyway, okay. All right, maybe. Cool. But mm-hmm. but possibly a better move here is to reach out to the trade publication for the events industry. Mm-hmm. You know, that might be better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, or reach out to local press in whatever your market is, um, where you're, uh, where you're, where, 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 you know, where there are events or whatever. I don't know. Like yeah. reaching out to me may not get you what you want, even if I were to pay attention to you, which I probably, frankly, won't, because I just mm. get too much email. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the sm- the smaller outlets also can be stepping stones to the the bigger stuff too. Um, yep. it can it can give you good practice in pitching. It can help you see what people want. It can it can give you like some 
well, we've been featured here and here and here that you can then send on to, to other publications as well. So I think, yeah, there's a lot of good reason to start a little bit smaller, especially if you're new, especially if you're new at it. Especially. Oh, start, yeah. start smaller. Does that give a little a little bit of uh, power, a little umph behind it, Jason, if somebody's been featured in other, other things that you recognize? Mm, Probably I, not at your level. No, not, not at my level. It, do, it doesn't matter to me at my level. Although sometimes mm. I will, if, if they've gotten a bunch of coverage I'll, I'll, and, and I've like never heard of them and it seems kind of random, sometimes it'll at least make me pause and be like, oh, well, other people took them seriously, I guess... I guess maybe they're worth a second, but but it doesn't it doesn't not really it doesn't shift the needle that much. I, I've I've seen locally that it can like if if it's like oh you know the local Fox station covered this you yeah know, definitely then, yeah. then the local whatever else other syndicate will will take yeah. a look at it oh yeah it's not it's not for nothing I mean it's just it's just in my particular situation it for doesn't sure. generally register but but yeah Got no it. I mean these things can snowball. All right, man. Well, I know we're we're out of time. Thank you so much. I think it's been super enlightening for me. I know it will be for the listeners as well. Uh, it's it's mm-hmm. been. Just a blast. Yeah. Also, just picking your brain and getting to know you a little bit better and know more about uh, the kind of work that you do. So, thanks so much for taking time. Anything you want to share, pitch, uh, you know, shameless plug here at the, end of the show for our <laughs> listeners? Uh, no. Well, I, well, first, I just want to thank people for sticking around after what was probably a fairly poor pitch on my end on why you should stick around and listen to this episode at the very beginning. <laughs> I like uh, the history. I like so the history. Th- thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I, I, I'm obsessed with the history. Right. So, well, there, you've, you've done a nice job of segueing into what my pitch would be, which is, which is that if you're interested in that kind of stuff, Build for Tomorrow is a show full of it. It, it. I dig into all sorts of crazy things throughout history. My idea is to understand what from history shaped us and how we can shape the future. So, uh, my, my teaser for you, now that you know uh, John Philip Sousa already, is that um, I, uh, the, the show can also tell you why America had an absolute national moral crisis over the teddy bear in 1907. Uh, like, like teddy bears were banned, preachers were preaching against it. It was like a really <laughs> oh, scary <wow>. thing in 1907. <laughs> and, uh, but it can teach us actually a surprising amount about today. So uh, check out Build for Tomorrow and uh, thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks so much. We're going to link up uh, that episode as well as just a link to the the podcast in general so you can have a listen, but find it in your favorite podcast player. Again, Jason Pfeiffer, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it, man. Hey, thank you, guys. Thanks, Jason. take care. Freelance to Founder is produced by the team at Millo. Visit millo.co to level up your freelancing. And Dripify, visit getdripify.com to become a bad A in business. Freelance to Founder is also part of The Podglomerate. You can check out more amazing podcasts at thepodglomerate.com. The theme music for this show was produced by Joaquin Carud. You can catch past episodes at freelancetofounder.com or by searching Freelance to Founder in your favorite podcast player. While you're at it, we'd love an honest review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's all for now. Until next time, see ya.